Oh, Christmas. Um, Christmas and Hanukkah. Yeah, it's, it's the second night of Hanukkah as, as, we, that, record as we record this, right? No, it's, it's been Hanukkah for a little while. No, it hasn't. Was last, last oh, night, as we record this. Yes, we yeah, record yeah. This. Oh, yeah. It's but still I, technically the first day of Hanukkah because nightfall has not come yet. Right. But it, we should be airing on Christmas Day. Yeah. Yes, I think this should this should be coming out on Christmas. So this day four. Merry Christmas now, to everybody for from s- contesting wrestling. Yes, yes. For some reason, there has been a lot of debate this Christmas season about Christmas movies. And what counts as one, and mostly surrounding Die Hard. I've, I've heard that for a few years there. I, yeah, I feel like hasn't this whole like Die Hard Christmas movie? Th- haven't we played this out as a society? Because I first started hearing about this in like 2003. It's it's the way these kind of things go viral. Different people hear about it on different years. What I want to say is, I showed Twelve Monkeys to my class this semester, my science fiction and philosophy class. Oh, wow. That is also a Christmas movie. Because it takes it place is. mostly during Christmas? Yes. And I think is a better movie than Die Hard. Probably. It's yeah. a very different kind I, of I really movie, like that's 12 for Monkeys. Sure. Yeah, I like 12 Monkeys, too. It's a, it's, a, it's a tightly developed time travel story without inconsistencies, really. I mean, there's a couple of question marks, it, it, but... It is the one kind of time travel that works. Right, where you yeah. don't change the past at all. Yeah, where just everything has already happened. It happens in your personal time later... Because yeah. you are the time traveler going to the past, these thing, events in the past. But in terms of objective time, they yeah. had had always been that way. Every other time travel movie has to either say, either has to have a convoluted reason reasoning that doesn't really work if you think about it. Or another Bruce Willis time travel movie, Looper, where they're just like, look, man, is that why you're here? No, <laughs> I don't fucking think so. So let's not even explain it. As Doctor Who puts it, wibbly wobbly timey wimey. Yeah. Which is, you know, come on, uh, Endgame, like yeah, they got that that got a little. That's the thing. Well, that's the, always the problem with time travel is that it's 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 a li- it can be a little too, you know, with magic in general. Any anything yeah. magical, anything that is not actually subject to logic, you have to be very careful with you it. Gotta, in you got to be judicious. Like the rules don't even have to be that consistent, but they have to be consistent within a curve. Yeah. Which I'll say, the newest Terminator movie. Fuck that shit! It was like insultingly nonsensical. Really, I did. I did not see it. Like right from go. Yeah, I it. it, I mean, it was it was kind of fun, and I you know I I guess like what do you expect? It's a fucking Terminator movie, but still, I was very put off by a lot of it. So this is contesting time traveling. Yes, contesting time movies. Wrestling with time. Wrestling with time. Um, I, you know, uh, I will say before we move on to the actual wrestling part of the show, uh, I also think, you know, you can go too far in the other direction where the cult classic primer is an example of what happens when you try to make a logically consistent time travel movie. And it's just very dense and like not that fun to watch. And uh, the first Terminator movie, by the way, is the only actually consistent Terminator in terms of time travel. Yeah. Because they have... prevent the thing that would have changed the future. Okay. So the future ends up being the same. Actually, I haven't seen the first one in so fucking long. I can't really um, remember it. Whereas the second one, they change things. Yeah. To get a different future. Um, that's a shame that the new one is bad. I had heard it looks it looked like it would be cool. But this, the new one with Linda Hamilton is back. Right? That's the one you're talking about? 
Uh, yeah. Yeah, and now there's things, you know, she's good. Sure. You know, there's things I like about it, but, um, yeah, there's, as far um, as logical consistency of time travel, no, not so good. On today's mini-sode, we are reflecting on the Hogan episode. The second one. On the second the one. The second one, okay. Hogan, Hogan Warrior, yeah. Hogan Warrior 2, uh, and the uh, Hogan turn yeah. to the and creation of the NWO. Within the first, uh, if, you know, you've noticed probably that the holidays have messed with our release schedule a little bit, so we are, once we're in the new year firmly, we're going to be back on our regular main feed Monday Premium episode Wednesday, mini-sode Friday. But we uh, also didn't use the holidays as an excuse not to record a bunch of stuff, so yeah. it's all coming. Yeah. I will say every year, I was proud of myself, because every year, it's usually December 1st is when I start being like, oh, it's December, who fucking can get anything done? <laughs> oh, and then I just use that as an excuse yeah. to not to not get anything accomplished, even though it's clearly my fault. And that didn't start for me this year until, like, uh, the 20th. December's always my hardest time because it's, you know, finals and grading yeah. and all that shit. And then we're doing this shit on top of it, so it was even harder <laughs> this year. Uh, so speaking of botched time travel, Hulk Hogan over the years just gets leatherier and leatherier. It is, he seems to be moving through time at an exponentially accelerating rate. Which is strange because he's moving through space much slower than he ever did. Well, you know, that's how relativity works. I guess that's how relativity works. <laughs> Hulk Hogan, the ultimate example of rev of relativity through decrepitude. Uh, yeah. Relativity through decrepitude. Yep. That'll be my next metal album. <laughs> that's <laughs> our next metal album. There you go. This, it, is, it, it has been 10 years since the last God Ox. I, you know, I that. really hope that this podcast becomes so popular that God Ox has to reform that would be and great. Do so because I will say of all of my I spent a long time playing music and I was always very concerned about like, you know, am I going to be able to make a living as a musician? Am I going to, you know, is the thing is the project that I'm working on, you know, is it going to go somewhere? Is it going to get paid? Which is a terrible way um, to approach things as a musician, but also kind of something you have to do if you're trying to make it, a living it's doing a it. It's a hard way to approach things when you're an idealistic teenager. Once you're in your mid 30s, you realize that the stuff that you do has to produce a positive outcome all as well as being good and fulfilling. It is, but I will also say at the same time that I feel like when I look back on my musical, mm -hmm. uh, on my life as a musician, the most artistically pure thing I ever did was God Ox because oh, it yeah. was just a, uh, it, it was, you know, kind of like this podcast a little bit where it was really just an excuse for friends to get together and do something that we all loved and, like, not really care about the long-term effects. And it's, also still wanting it to be good, still wanting to work on it and make sure that it was a, 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 of a quality when you put it out. Godox is probably my favorite of the stuff that y'all ever did, yeah. <laughs> honestly. Um, if listeners, it was really cool. If listeners don't know or never heard the episode where we explained it, um, Godox is mine and Ben's old metal band that uh, serves as the theme song to this podcast. It was really the only band i was ever in where we weren't trying too hard <laughs> yeah you, it was clear we were I'd trying come to y'all's rehearsals and it was like fun and and that's what made it good well yeah we were trying the right level of hard because exactly. we weren't fucking around no 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 yeah no 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 not at all uh the right level of hard is <laughs> that's what life is about yep isn't it so dicks 
Hulk Hogan. <laughs> yep. The right level of hard. Yeah. Well, I His don't know. Biceps, Is, did I'm he, sure. I don't know what he if he had to explain to the judge. Uh, if his hardness levels were the same as Hulk Hogan's hardness levels, he was like Terry Bollea's penis doesn't gets gets not the right level of hard, <laughs> Hulk whereas Hogan's Hulk Hogan's of is like is the optimal level perpetually. Yeah, no, never no, stops. Well, you can't see see it in those little trunks he was wearing. I figure he meant it was ten inches flaccid. Oh. If it was ten inches flaccid, then that's you're gonna have a hard life. Yes, actually, because um, that's just that's um, it's hard, hard to move, hard to move through life with a penis that then I mean, if traditional ratios uh, are true for Hulk Hogan, as they are for everybody else, we're talking yeah. a solid 36 inches erect. I which think is, it's uh, probably existing in a pocket dimension mm, while he's wrestling. I would and hope then th- he only brings it into our reality, you know, <laughs> Sometimes in the shorts, I will say you do see, you do see like a little like a little like nubbin in the shorts in a way that I feel I feel more aware of his junk than a lot of other wrestlers. Uh, I realize I don't have much more to say about these matches than we already kind of overanalyzed. I, I, no. I have a couple. Well, I, what do please, you got? Yeah, please, so please. Go. I st- I, in the episode, I started saying why the the match had to happen in Canada, and I never yeah. ended up explaining that. Well, it's because. Um, as as Evan uh, explained uh, or described, Ultimate Warrior is this sort of cartoon version of a Native American, like shamanistic kind of thing. Uh, Hulk Hogan is a representation of American Christianity, and Hogan lost the match, and you couldn't do that in the United States. No, no, too much Jesus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In the United you, States you had to do, do that in uh, heathen Canada. I mean, I I, I don't know how much f- like. I don't know how much people were aware of the Ultimate Warrior being a Native American. It's it's a subtle appro- unconscious thing. Yeah. Yeah, 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 it's like well, there there were such like overt Indian characters in wrestling as it was that Warriors' uh, influence there did kind of fly under the radar. You wanted to look more at like uh, Wahoo McDaniel or even Tatanka at the time. He also, but like he did. But ha- they were actual Native American yeah. people. I mean, you know, Native American or not. Warrior had a very non-Christian mythology. Yes, to yes, it yes. in his promos, talking about the great warrior spirit and and all that kind of stuff. Whereas Hogan was very much talking about Jehovah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the man upstairs. The man upstairs, indeed. Who I think I already said this somewhere else, but I really thought he was talking about Vince McMahon when I first heard him say that. Uh, that's a good. lot of overlap between Vince McMahon and the God of Abraham. Yes. Well, I they mean, had that match eventually. We talked about it. Yeah. I wasn't raised believing in God or like, you know, I was raised as a Buddhist uh, and with, without any like clear divinities or anything like that. So like Vince McMahon was the best analogy for me <laughs> for sure. what, what they were talking about when the religious folks talked about God. That's really interesting, yeah. <laughs> actually. That tells you a yeah. lot about my psychology, uh, uh, I guess. You know, and it is yeah. it is remarkable it what can fall into, what can, like, slide into that slot, sort of, if it's empty in your childhood. Like, I was raised, I technically come from a Catholic family, yep. but my father, like, had, like, a bitter hatred of the Catholic Church. I don't think anything happened, per se. I think you just raised in the generally my mom emo- the emotionally way, yeah. abusive yeah. um uh, uh, space of the Catholic Church. Um, and so, you know, I was raised um, with no religion whatsoever. I don't think he came to identify as an atheist until later in life, but it was just, it was something that was 
either not present in my childhood or something that like we would do to like make grandma happy once mm. a year that kind of thing but i definitely have all of the same issues like with like guilt and shame and like uh feeling that i'm being even my thoughts are somehow being judged by an intangible force because all of that shit can power through multiple generations of atheism oh, you so do not need oh, god yeah. to have all of that stuff not at yeah all. it's the term recovering yeah. catholic i've heard uh, yeah. my mother say absolutely um i yeah. was baptized I but i was not all. confirmed so i don't know um so yeah speaking of uh the supernatural uh, we were talking about people living their gimmicks uh, on the whole 10-inch penis Hulk Hogan mm. thing, but also, like, the the fraught relationship a, a wrestler might have with, uh, you know... With their own penis, yes. With their own penis, yeah. reconciling their character, wrestling character with their real life. And we were talking about The Undertaker. Uh, and it was funny, on the uh, shoot interview that Undertaker did with Steve Austin, the uh, Broken Skull Sessions? Something like that, yeah. Um, he mentions that people would come up to him and, like... Adults be like, are you really dead? (laughs) (laughs) Frequently, he would get this. Uh, His manager, Paul Bear, said people would come up to him at the supermarket and be like, what are you doing here? And he's like, I'm buying food. He was an interesting case because he was an actual licensed funeral director, and occasionally he would be out of the wrestling business, and he would go back to he'd keep his license up, and he'd go back to being a practicing funeral director. And sometimes wrestling fans would come in and be like, oh, you're really <laughs> in. And he says it was nice. It would help soften the thing, which is a big part of the job of being a funeral director. Yeah, that, you know? He did not subsist entirely on embalming fluid. No, he did not. Even though he did look like it for a while, he did not subsist entirely on embalming fluid. Has William Moody ever done a shoot interview? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen him. Okay. He's, he's done a couple of them. He did, uh, he did one. Uh, I think he did one for Ring of Honor. I think he did one with Bobby Heenan, I want to say, where they sit around and, and tell stories um, I'm not sure exactly, but he so, has done at least a couple of them. He's very entertaining, super, super funny guy. We haven't covered an Undertaker match with Paul Bearer yet. Uh, no, I we, guess have we not. haven't. Oh, we've done the wow. we've done some latter day Taker matches, and we did the first one before Paul Bearer showed up. Well, we got we still got to do Undertaker versus Undertaker. Yes, yes, I uh, do. Yeah, I, I want to see that. Oh my! So uh, a couple other things. Uh, we talked about Hulk Hogan forming the New World Order. I just wanted to at least mention that the New World Order was a phrase in, like, conspiracy theory yes. politics yeah. for many years. I guess it's still brought up sometimes. It still is, yeah. When, like, I guess the from the right talking about, like, globalist conspiracies. But I think also a little bit from the left sometimes. Yeah, I, I think it was. I think the New World Order was, like, a rebranded Illuminati yeah. sort of thing. I think it was something that um I had... I had my conspiracy. I was never does, like a full. Does that conspiracy. movie Zeitgeist talk about it? I think it does. I um because that came out or like around the time I had like a. I was never a full conspiracy theorist, but I had like a conspiracy adjacent phase, probably mm-hmm. like two thousand nine to eleven, somewhere around there. Um, and um, and it there it seems like it's something that has always kind of gone back and forth between like. I guess what you could argue is like a more left interpretation of the the fact that like the wealthy practice class solidarity in a way where like they really understand that they are all friends and it's not necessarily a secret cabal trying to take over the world as it is just like wealthy and powerful people 
like to hang out with each other and do each other favors. And then a more right interpretation, which is it's the Jews. Yeah, that, that is the uh, right interpretation. Uh, on the left, uh, uh, the right wing interpretation. The right wing, yes. The, the yes, right is the right, right wing the interpretation. <laughs> that, is, that is a thing, as much as I will complain about yeah. people willfully and aggressively misunderstanding. Uh, no, the right wing <laughs> now, explanation. The, the, the explanation Jews. on the left is also not just the uh, wealthy being friends, but also the idea that multinational multinational corporations have become much more powerful than nations yes. in a lot of ways. And yes, that's sort that of the, a... the New World Order. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. objectively true, though, in a lot of ways. Well, that's, yeah, no, yeah. yeah. Whether It's yeah. not a conspiracy. That part isn't a conspiracy. Well, and, that's, and, and a lot of conspiracy stuff, um, uh, especially, like, um, if you look at, I, I've read interpretations of moder- of the modern conspiracy theory narrative as um, from like a folklore perspective uh, and it is kind of it it bears about as much of a relationship to reality mm-hmm. as like folk tales do to actual human morality kind yeah. of I would say or something like that where it's like kind of these stories that we tell about these things that we sort of know to be true right. but have various interpretations of that often wind up being like you know, either bigoted or simplistic or, you know. Sounds like the wrestling criticism and journalism community. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I could see that. Because wrestling is so opaque, a lot of it is guesswork and, like, legends and stories kind of passed sure. down from fans to fans. It's part of what makes it interesting. And part of what makes it a metaphor for life in yeah. general. <laughs> um, speaking of globalism... Uh, we didn't mention at any point that the first Hulk Hogan versus Ultimate Warrior match was for both the WWF yeah. World Championship and the Intercontinental Championship, and they right. unified it at, at that point. The Warrior ended up having to abdicate the Intercontinental title eventually, yeah. but yeah, they, they united the titles at that point. They really wanted to make it seem like it was the two greatest wrestlers uh, finally deciding who was the better. And then they really wanted Warrior to be on the level that Hogan had been for the next seven or eight years. It didn't happen. It just he wasn't interesting enough, and he was too crazy to 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 do business with anybody. Yeah, he fizz, he fizzled out. He burned bright, and he fizzled out. That's what happens when you're running at full speed the entire time. So we also talked about uh, this change in the wrestling business in the mid '90s. And they started to let people kind of peek behind the curtain a little bit more. Little there was bit. a little bit more of this like meta kind of narrative going on. And I just want to clarify a little bit. So I talked about how a lot of this started with the wrestler Brian Pillman and also with the promotion ECW. Um, but the I think I, I said something like, in ECW, that was the first time that he directly referenced the Booker. Mm-hmm. But that actually first happened in WCW. The Booker Man promo directed That's at right. Kevin Sullivan was actually in WCW. And we talked about how there was this really interesting phenomenon where um, Pillman uh, made a deal with Eric Bischoff where he would be actually fired from WCW but was supposed to later return, but instead of returning, ended up signing with WWF. Yeah. At the same time, ECW was already doing some of that stuff beforehand, not just with Pillman, but before that with Steve Austin coming to ECW and talking shit about Hulk Hogan um, and also Shane Douglas even before that 
talking about Ric Flair and challenging Ric Flair when Ric Flair was on top in WCW. Now, Shane Douglas is a, is a very interesting case in like the early 90s. His run in ECW, you know, he's like, I was never heavyweight champion anywhere because people don't want to work with me and Ric Flair's holding me down and he's not that good and he's an old man and I'm better than he is. And you don't usually, especially at the time, want to talk about the people on someone else's television show. Um, and so he was like, I'm here in, you know, Eastern Championship Wrestling and I'll be the heavyweight champion here if no place else is going to have me. And he would challenge Flair to come down there yeah. and, and to come prove to the who ECW the real champion arena. is. We'll yeah. have a fight, you know. Um, um, update on uh, me watching wrestling serials. Mm -hmm. um, it's the holidays. Uh, I, I come from a Catholic family. I married a Jew. I have had no time to fucking see or do anything. Uh, I barely was able to watch all of the <laughs> matches for the episodes we recorded this week. So I promise that within the next few minisodes, I will be back in the swing of watching um, AEW and NXT and able to talk about we're it. Gonna, we're going to strap Evan into a chair and get his eyes open, clockwork orange style, yeah, and just, just power him through dynamite to the present day. I, uh, I want to mention a couple of things that uh, I've seen in wrestling the last couple of weeks that I really enjoyed. Please do. Um, we talked about the NWA. It didn't work out as something that uh, NWA power is something that Evan was going to watch. That's fine. The first NWA uh, new NWA pay-per-view was the other week into the fire, and it was fantastic. Oh, yeah, it was great beginning, Dan. They, they have such a, a unique for modern times way of telling their stories, and they let their characters be characters, and it was just, I love it. I think Aaron Stevens is now one of my like top yeah. three wrestling personalities. On TV. I mean, I've oh, always man. loved his work as Damian Sandow. When I first saw Damian Sandow, I was like, oh, that is the wrestling character that I would be <laughs> yeah. if I were a wrestler. Um, and he's doing a slight variation on that because uh, he can't quite be Damian Sandow. That's fine. But it's still brilliant. And they got rid of Cornette, like, promptly, and so, you know, good for them. I like the old man run of the Rock and Roll Express. I just think it's delightful. Uh, and yeah, I just like it. I like, I like the women, you know, they're, they're, they're killing it. I liked uh, the whole thing. Question Col mark. Colt Cabana's getting to be a real star like he good. should be. Uh, yeah. Somebody All use that stuff. guy, right? I'd also like to direct uh, listeners attention if they haven't seen it yet um wwe backstage has been a really interesting show i haven't watched every episode i watched the ones that cm punk was on right and they were great cm punk always has funny interesting things to say i really liked uh baron corbin's appearance and what he had to say about being a genuine wrestling heel and how very few people are willing to just piss off the fans legitimately not do anything that they like yeah. and take all their criticism and you know just continue to do it i think baron corbin would be a lot more successful right now if he had better baby faces to feud with um, yeah I don't like Seth Rollins. I or mean, I know, Roman Reigns. I know Rollins has turned heel like recently, but like I don't like Seth Rollins. So when the heels mess with him, I don't care. If so now he stares blankly into the camera and you're supposed to not like him. Yes. Right. Now he has two big guys standing behind him to do his dirty work. A fine tag team of the, the Authors of Pain, which is not a great name, if, but uh, they're a good team. If Did, Aaron Corbin had dumped dog food all over Daniel Bryan, yeah, we'd yeah. be screaming for his head. We'd be up in arms. Yeah, are, they, yeah. are the authors of pain like author 
themed wrestlers no. where they like do like writing moves on you. No, they're just two big dudes. It's a real yeah. okay. All right, uh, that's either a wasted opportunity or a dumb fucking name that they shouldn't have gone it, with. They probably wrote yep. down. This is just me completely guessing. They probably wrote down forty-five names. And submitted them to creative, and creative was it, like this one. That's like I, if you had like the Pineapple Boys. Do they yeah. have any pineapple theme moves? No. no. Why would they? I think it would have been. It was better when they were in NXT and Paul Ellering was their manager. Yeah, yeah. Ellering, because Paul yeah, Ellering is a loquacious, poetic kind of individual. So him being with them gave yeah. a little bit of uh, credence to that authorship idea. Yeah, Ellering's in a kind of an old timey manager. He's in his sixties. He agreed to be their manager at NXT because they taped every week and uh, or every few weeks at Full Sail University where they tape NXT. Once they brought the authors to the main roster, Ellering left. He he didn't want to travel. He was he's he's done. They know? probably also wanted them to have a manager who could take bumps and mm. could get get recompense eventually. Well, they gave him Drake Maverick for right, a while. Right, right. Yeah, that was that was cool. Uh, I have one more note. Uh, we never oh, mentioned yeah. the name of Hulk Hogan's nephew. Horace Hogan. Horace Hogan. Ooh, he should get a, his moment. That's a that's a rough name. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it, we, we, God knows what his real name was. I don't know. He, should I look it up? No. I mean, I'm gonna sure, look it up. Do it, look it up. I guess he's in Turples Bolea. Turples Bolea. Well, that's his name it now. Is, yeah. Turples. Michael Allen Bolea. Right. Man, uh, that yeah, was a letdown. Pretty, yeah. Wow. Sorry, listeners. Yeah. Um, if you'd like to have more exciting names mentioned on this podcast, <laughs> you should check out our Patreon. Yes. Um, uh, in all seriousness, uh, this is coming out on Christmas. Uh, we've been doing this now for um, uh, we've been putting out episodes for about three months. Uh, we've been doing this now for like six months. Yeah. I feel I feel like and. It's amazing. We are, I think, like today or tomorrow, we're going to hit a thousand listens altogether, which is un- unbelievable to me. Uh, we've not got- including uh, not including SoundCloud or YouTube views. So yeah, a thousand listens. Thank you all very much for for listening and continuing to. And um, if you like what we do, if you find it entertaining, uh, you can go to our Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/ContestingWrestling. We put out. Uh, a, one extra bonus episode a week. It's a full-length episode. Uh, we are really hoping in 2020 to be able to put out a bunch more stuff, either interviews or we've got plans for a miniseries, that kind of thing. Um, so you should, yeah, I don't know, check us out. And, and hey, worst comes to worst, join it for a month, listen to all the premium episodes, and then if you really hate it, you can quit. It's okay. Yeah, We're not going to judge you. Yeah. We'll be happy that, that you gave us $5 in the first place. Seriously. Yeah. Like, thank, give us a shot. Thank you very much. That's five more dollars than no dollars. Yes. That's that's just science. That's why that's that why is. he's the professor. There yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, I can't I can't do that kind of math no. for you. So that's why that's why Ben's here. And, you know, you should be able to compensate him for that. I go to, I go um, up to the sandwich counter. I just shout turkey. And they're like, that'll be money. And I'll be like, oh, no. And just leave. <laughs> that's the end of that. So that's why you uh, carry around pockets full of like peanuts. Peanuts. Right? Yep. Yeah. Just how um, many peanuts? How is many that? peanuts? Uh, I want. I always want to pay for things in ham. <laughs> uh, ham. Just, just sliced ham. Just yep. Like, sliced ham. Yeah. Did, did you, you watched um, 
uh, Magic for Humans on Netflix. No. It's very entertaining. It's with like a comedy magician guy, Justin right. Willman, and he has a whole bit in, in it where he does ham-based magic with sliced ham. Okay. He has people. He has people shuffle the ham <laughs> slice. It's 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 high quality stuff. That's great. <laughs> it is. That's that's all I need for te- you know. Ten years ago, I was like, we live in a golden age of television. I love Breaking Bad. Now I'm like, I want to see the funny Magic Ham Man. Yeah. Uh, I'm watching. I'm watching the Food Network. I don't care. Please don't give me real thing. I I just watched The Witcher, and The Witcher is like the best. It's like this. It's a really, really well shot, well produced, unbelievably dumb fucking show, and it's great. It's like if it's like if um, you know, that's what uh, you want out of yeah. television. It was so good. Final. Do we have final thoughts? Oh man, happy new year, everybody. Uh, we will be will our wonkiness and our schedule will get flattened out, but we're taking care of everything. Don't worry, we got a lot of big plans coming up. We're just gonna keep it churning, you know. Yeah. Contest wrestling yourself, watch it, and if something looks off, like that's valid, uh, think about it. And I'm and I don't mean like think about it. I mean no, no think about it. It's Engage art. your and, critical yeah. faculties. There you go. Thank you. Engage your critical faculties. I, With I've whatever you're looking at. Yeah, come on, man. The world is an interesting place. Goodbye.